All right, well, welcome to Halfway There, my friends. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm excited to share this experience with you. We're going to get uh, at least a little bit outside of the United States, which I cannot <laughs> wait. I've, I've been hoping that we could do um, do that a little bit more here, and so I think this conversation is going to bless you. I'm your host, by the way, Eric Nevins, and I'm glad that you're here, that you downloaded um, today, my guest, he is a you're, you're a missions like you you uh, you activate people and you send people overseas. Yeah, exactly. And so um, we'll tell us all about that. But yeah. it's Tony Weeder, Tony, yeah. welcome to Halfway There. Thank you, thank you, Eric, and good to see you. Yeah, you too. <laughs> we, we kind of knew each other when yeah. I was here at yeah. seminary yeah. a long time ago. Likewise. And yeah. uh, I know that I had you in class. I remember those stories being particularly yeah. vibrant mm-hmm. and. Um, just stuck in my mind mm-hmm. so that's one reason when i saw you on facebook i wanted to reach out and connect <laughs> yeah. um tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're doing now uh first of all uh i'm tony Weeder, like you said uh, i'm from liberia liberia is part of uh, west africa west africa has about 16 different countries and i came from out of a muslim background and i said this not because i want to pick on muslims what have you but to show the power of the yeah. goodness and god's grace that the grace of god has no limit he goes beyond buddhism islam wherever you are even if if he's ready for you he pulls you right out of that and there where i came and became a christian went to denver seminary here graduated from here and now we are at in Afton, uh, Virginia, where I am the regional director for Advancing Native Missions. And what that means is that we take local, like you said, ordinary Christians and send them back to their home because they know the history, they know the language, they know the food, they know the people, they know the customs, they know the traditions. So all they need is the gospel and a little help. Yeah, uh, from the church in the north. And once that is done, it is unbelievable. We have one man who have 500 missionaries that spread all over wow. uh, eastern uh, uh, and central Kenya. Uh, I could go on and on. Ethiopia, we have uh, ordinary people in Ethiopia reaching the Orthodox uh, church in Ethiopia with Christ. Nigeria, where El Shaba is really busy in terms of a terrorist group. But we have missionaries there who names I will not even mention. Yeah. But they are reaching these terrorist groups and some of these El Shaba people are becoming Christians. Wow. Yeah. So in a nutshell, that's what I'm doing. That's powerful. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I want to hear more about your story. So you're mm-hmm. from Liberia. Correct. What was it like growing up in Liberia? Because um, that's something that most of my listeners, we, you know, we don't know about. It is really interesting to ask that question, Eric, because with all the problem you as Americans you are facing today, what is race, what have you, mm-hmm. uh, Liberia is unique. In 1822, free slaves from this country, America, went to Liberia. Yeah. And when they went there, the first thing they did they built slave plantations and started owning slaves. Really? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> These are not white Americans or anywhere. These are black like myself. Yeah. They had slaves. They enslaved those that they met there. So I grew up in a situation where uh, I saw people still owning slaves. Wow. Wow, this this late even. Yes, this late even. Even today? In fact, that's how the Civil War started, because of all the things that they they called themselves, the the African-American that left from America and went to Liberia, they called themselves uh, American Liberians. Okay, interesting. And then among the free slaves that left from here, now... Here is the power of sin and power of the evil one. Those that left from here, who either had a white mother, a white father, and had a lighter skin, broke away from those who had a darker skin, even though they were all slaves from here and went back. So there were divisions between colors. Wow. So that's the history of Liberia. That's what I grew up with. 
And then on my part, uh, it was tribal. So Eric, you're from another tribe. I'm from another tribe. So I hate you because you are from another tribe. While the free slaves enslave us, we turn on one another because of tribe. Wow. So what an interesting context to grow up in. That it would, and you probably didn't even know any different, right? Because no. it's just the way that the world was for you. Completely. Yeah. Completely. And then slowly you go, uh, you say, oh, I want to go to this school. They say, oh, you can't come here. Why? Because they call, uh, you are a son of, uh, you, 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 are, you are a savage, you know, or you are a primitive person. You are a native person. Yeah. So you cannot go to our school. They segregated everything. Wow. The, in short, everything, everything that they did to the African-American slaves in America, they took that with them to Liberia. Wow, that seems like a travesty. Yeah, they had their own schools. They had their own banking. They, I mean, everything and where they uh, There are places I was not allowed to go. Wow. Yeah, and this is Liberia. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that is I know that that experience is even today is not that dissimilar here. You know, there's we've obviously had our our civil rights movement and there's things like that. But it's still there's still things that happen that we're more segregated than than we should be. And we we still are. And this is when it comes to tribalism is not just unique to Liberia. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. Again, I usually say skin color is not a problem of skin, I think it's sin. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, why will I hate you? Why will you hate me? Right. You know, and we, we are the same color, the same people, speak the same language, like Somalia. You, Somalia has one religion, one language, one people. They've been fighting since 1990. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's hard to believe. I think you're right. It's the power of sin that yeah. just that keeps us separated. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, so you, you mentioned that you grew up in a Muslim background? Yes, I did. What was that like? As a... Well, I was taught uh, so many things. Um, and yeah, I want to be very careful because everything sure. that people see in different light. But uh, what I say, if you don't agree with it, go read the Quran. Uh, the, the Quran is the Muslim holy book. It's almost the size of the New Testament. They have about 114 chapters about 60,000 verses. Growing up, the, the part that I like is that it brought us together as a tribe, as a people. It brought us together. We pray together. We pray in group. We, we pray in unison and all of that. Yeah. I, I, I love the month, you know, as a boy, I love the month of Ramadan because you ate a lot. That means fasting. Mm-hmm. You know, my little sister, my, my little sister and older sister, along with my mom and aunt, the they, they will wake up around 12, I mean, anywhere between 1, 2 in the morning. Wow. And they would, they would cook all the way uh, 4.30 or so. And then by 5, between 5 and 6, when it's still dark, then you eat. And I, I <laughs> so, you, so you eat at night and then you yeah. fast during the day. Yeah, right? you fast during the day. But I mean, when you eat that early, you are almost full through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> through, you know, throughout the day. But that's the part I like. And then the... And again, I was not allowed to question the truth of Islam, the, the inconsistency that I saw with the leaders. I was not allowed to question them. I was not allowed to question Muhammad and his life. Uh, I was not allowed to question it, just believe and follow. Uh, and so that's the kind of thing I grew up in. Yeah. Was it, did you have a lot of questions even a as lot, a young kid? I had a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do we pray five times a day and, and, yeah. and, and repeating the same thing? You know, why, why is it that we don't like other people because they are not Muslims? Mm-hmm. You know, why I was told to hate the Jews. And then everything I see in the Quran at that time and today was borrowed from the Jews and the Christians. Why do we hate them? You know, wow. uh, the five pillars of Islam, uh, that there's only one God. Uh, it's not original with Islam. Right. You know, here or Israel. Yeah, yeah. Deuteronomy six. <laughs> yeah, your God is one. And then the 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 five times praying. In fact, when Muhammad started in six ten all the way to six twenty two when he fled Mecca to go to Medina, uh, why in Medina when the Jews rejected him and said you are not a prophet, 
It was the only time Muhammad started facing Mecca. But when he started in Jerusalem, they were facing, uh, I mean, when he started in Mecca, they were facing Jerusalem. Where did he learn this from? Daniel 6.10. Daniel prayed three times a day facing Jerusalem. So uh, gave alms. You read Matthew chapter 6, you know, uh, gave. He said when you gave, no one's supposed to, but in Islam you're supposed to give two and a half percent of what you don't need. Uh, even the fasting is borrow. Uh, uh, and then the Hajj, where it is every Muslim is supposed to go to Mecca once in his lifetime. I mean, when you go from Psalm uh, 130, Psalm 130, the Psalm of Accent, you know, oh, all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. all right. of that is, yeah, so when I read, I said, but... Oh, interesting. I, I never said, thought of it that way. Yeah, I said, but this is not original, but who do I talk to? Who do I speak to? You know, these are ideas I want to challenge, but I was not allowed to do so. My uncle would just, you know, whack me on the head. Don't, don't even bother questioning. Uh, why, why is it that Muhammad is doing this? Why is he allowed to do this? And nobody else is allowed to do it, all yeah. because he was the prophet. And then when I get a chance, again, our, constitu- our first constitution in Liberia was written by Americans. So, therefore, in our constitution, uh, religious freedom and the teaching of the Bible hmm. was actually squeezed in there. Yeah. And now I'm in middle school. I'm getting these teachings from American missionaries in the public schools. And I'm hearing the story of Moses. But then when I read a story of of, of Moses in the Quran, I said, man, they didn't copy it really well. Uh, <laughs> but, but then somewhere in the Quran, it says that if you don't understand what you're reading about the Quran, go talk to the Christians. Uh, talk to the people of the book. Wow, so that's, that's interesting. Yeah, that really started my journey, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, so you always have these questions. Like yes. You always have this kind of, what, what is it? Like I, you know, I know you said that it's not original, and that's maybe that's part of it. What is it about you that you think this didn't sit well with you? It didn't. It didn't. Sounds like it didn't feel right to it, you. It, it didn't. It didn't feel right, and to think to think through it, uh, that well, uh, when they said Muhammad is a seal of all the Islam recognizes one hundred twenty, hundred twenty-four thousand prophets. And the greatest prophet in Islam is not Muhammad. It's Jesus Christ. Which, that's kind of interesting. Isn't yeah. It? <laughs> and so I'm thinking, but if Muhammad is the seal of all the prophets, and he's the greatest prophet I ever live, but then why the Quran he wrote, or whoever revealed it to him as he claimed, says that Jesus is the only prophet out of 124,000. He's God's spirit. He's God's word. He's without sin. He gives life. And every Muslim, 1.6 billion Muslims, are waiting for the second coming of Jesus. Wow. And so you ask yourself, well, who is this man? It's like Josh Waddell. He's either a lunatic mm-hmm. <laughs> or he's the real deal. And so these questions, uh, why is it Jesus did all these miracles? Yeah. And then Muhammad did no miracles. Yeah. And then they claim that Deuteronomy 8, uh, 1815 is talking about Muhammad. Uh, from among you, I will raise another prophet. And then when I read it, I say, how can this be Muhammad? John, uh, John chapters 14, 15, 16 is claimed that it's talking about Muhammad. And so I'm reading that. And so the, I go to the public school, and they are telling me, no, that's not, no, 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 this is the Holy Spirit. And the characteristics of the Holy Spirit and the characters of Muhammad, no comparison. They're very different. Yeah. yeah. So now, Eric, tell me, who do I talk to? The missionaries. <laughs> exactly. Right? <laughs> and then the missionary, she's not afraid of my questions. In fact, she welcomed my questions. Yeah. And then she challenged me. If you don't believe, don't believe me, go read the Bible for yourself. It's like um, during the Reformation, what uh, Luther said, that, you know, how do you protect the lion? You release it. 
<laughs> you know, you don't put it in a cage. So how do you protect God, uh, God's word? You translate it. Right. See? And this what so those were the things I really, as a young man, it just really, I said, there's something not right with Islam. There's something not right, and on the on the pages, I I, I see the choice. Yeah, you know they would say, oh, but look at the Old Testament. The Old Testament, God is violence, the world, and everything. You know, I always say this when I became Christian out of Islam. I'm reading Joshua. It's really interesting. The Israelites, like, they, they can't lose a battle until Jericho falls and Achan steal these goods and what have you. Yeah. And guess what? God turned on Israel and punishes them. Uh, uh, then there's a sin. Uh, how many sins did Adam commit? Yeah. One. And guess what? God kicked him out of the garden. And then Moses talked to the rock. And what did he do? <laughs> he hit the rock. And yeah. God said, you're not going to the promised land. So I hear these stories about these great men that Islam and Muhammad himself honor in the Quran, that all these men were punished. I read from chapters 1 of the Quran to chapter uh, 114, 60,000 verses, there's not one discipline of Muhammad. He does whatever mm. he pleases. Yeah. He wants to marry a six-year-old girl. He does. No one talks about it. Yeah. And he married his adopted sons. He did. He married his adopted son and then divorced them and then married the wife of his adopted son. And Allah approves of that. So I'm thinking, there's no judgment. There's no place for this prophet. And then David, that is, I mean, sure. <laughs> um, Islam recognized the Injil. The Injil is the four Gospels. Okay. Yeah, and those are the books that Jesus would have revealed to Jesus. And then uh, Moses, uh, the five books of Moses, the Torah. Yeah. And then the Zabu. The Zabu is what? The writings of David, the Psalms. Those are the only books. So what I'm trying to say is that they honor all these men, but these men were nothing before God except for his grace upon them. Look at the life of David. Why would Christians follow David today? Because of God's grace. The right. example of God's grace in his life. Paul, you know, Abraham. I mean, Abraham is one of the heroes in Islam. Guess what? When he, when he was wrong, yeah. God told him. And then slowly I started thinking, I said, hmm. My life is more like Moses than it is like Muhammad. And that was the tra in the trajectory when I started looking towards and looking for truth outside of the Quran, outside wow. of Islam. Well, take us to that moment, like when you gave your life to Christ. Yeah. What what happened, and how did that feel, and what what well, what were the it, ramifications it, of that? Again, in Islam, there's no the concept of original sin is not in Islam, and if the, if there's no original sin, you don't need a savior. Right. Okay. But you know, I mean, you have kids. I have kids. Yeah. And boy, they really shows you what total depravity looks like every day. Right. No joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and so the concept of sin and forgiveness, it was not in my worldview at all as a Muslim. Yeah, which uh, makes sense. Yeah. And you know, take for example, the Quran said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But there's an excuse in that you can marry for one hour, from one hour to two years, and what? break the contract. Eric, you are here, I'm here, your wife is not here, my wife is not here. And so, if, you, if we were Muslims, what do we do? And we found young Muslim girls. We can sign a legal contract with them for two hours while we are here, sleep with them, and when we are done, we break the contract, 
go home to our wives and we have not committed adultery. Wow. Yeah. Seems like an elaborate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, and, and, but then another thing is, is the fear of the unknown in Islam. Every Muslim is, is afraid of, in fact, even Muhammad in 610 mm-hmm. when he received his first uh, revelation according to him, he ran to his wife, Khadija. He said, cover me, I'm possessed with demons. In fact, there's a chapter in the Quran named after spirits, evil spirits, the jinns. Huh. And so that fear, I went, now looking back, before I would say it was a mistake, I went to a Bible study. It was, I think, <laughs> that's, but I went to visit a relative. He was not there, and they were having a Bible study in the building. So I'm I stood there waiting, and there's a little chorus. I don't know if you know it. In the name of Jesus, we have the victory. When we stand in the name of Jesus, demons we have to flee. Yeah. I said, do you? I said, these people, do you know? I mean, when you pray, in your prayer, when you pray as a Muslim, you look left to report to the angel that sits on your left shoulder of all your, 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 your good deeds, that, that, that keep a uh, record of your bad deeds, and then you turn right and report to the angel uh, that sits on your right, uh, recording all your good deeds, even before you enter the bathroom. Wow. You, you have to enter with your left foot. Fear. Before you sit in any empty yeah. chair, you have to say, Allah, God is great. Fear of the unknown spirit. And then you say, in the name of Jesus Christ, demons will have to flee. Who is this guy? And then as Interesting. I drew so, closer. So hold on, I just want to punctuate that because so what you're saying is you're you found that you had this sort of superstitious fear yes. of the mysterious demon that's gonna get yes. you if you didn't do the right thing, yes. step with the right foot, whatever. And then here's here the are these Christians singing about Jesus who, yeah. from whom the demons Flee. Yeah. And the thing wow. is, it's not just superstition. You, we, we literally, I mean, sure. <laughs> Muslims will wear charms. They will wear all kinds of things on their body. In fact, uh, when you are ever in New York or California and you, you are in a taxi, you will see a palm like this, a hand hanging on the re, you know, rear view mirror with, a, with one eye. Okay. And it is to protect that Muslim taxi driver from the evil eye. Interesting. Yeah, even in New York. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, you, you talk to any Muslim about, about the evil eye, whether they are from Egypt, Pakistan, Kuwait, um, uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, even, I mean, this is the, sure. the yeah, the Wahhabi, no, Wahhabi Islam. Even they are afraid of the unknown spirit yeah. world. And so interesting. Yeah. Well, so okay. So you hear this and them singing this, and you're intrigued. What What do you do? Uh, I, I drew closer uh, again, but then it was uh, my perception of women from Islam was not anything good. And sure. so here's a woman, white, leading a Bible study. So that was an immediate obstacle. And my mom used to tell me, "Say someday, uh, a white person will come and tell you that God had a son. Don't believe them." Interesting. Since I was three years old. Wow. And she kept pounding that, pounding that. And this is why Christians would... Because <laughs> she knew the American missionaries are coming. Yeah. yeah. And this is where Christians would need to start teaching our kids apologetics and how to defend our faith. Yeah. Anyway, so the, and from there she says, turn to Philippians 4.7. And what okay. is Philippians 4.7? The peace of God. Um... In Jesus' name, demons flee. Yeah. Jesus provides peace. And all the greetings in Islam are salam alaikum. Peace be upon you. Peace. Because there's no inner peace. I mean, you wash five times a day. You pray five times a day. But you can't wash your heart. You can't wash your mind. Mm-hmm. And then when she read that, that this piece, the human mind cannot understand it. Whether you are in trouble, you are in crisis, 
Jesus Christ brings peace. Now, this is the funny part in my salvation story. I go to the lady, I say, oh, you know, who is this Jesus? Say, young man, go sit down. I'm having a Bible study. So I went in, sat down. And then they were just talking. I mean, the story is like Jeremiah. The God's word is burning. All the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Mm-hmm. You, know, my, you know, there's something in me just burning. So I went back to her and said, excuse me, ma'am. Could you please tell me who this Jesus is? He says, he said, young man, you, you, you read it disturbing our Bible study. So I went back, and but the third time I, I just, I said, you know, tell me. So out of her anger and frustration with me, she led me to Christ. So. <laughs> she was frustrated that you kept asking the questions. <laughs> and I didn't stop that day. And that's how I went to Bible school, because I kept asking questions. Yeah. And she couldn't answer. She said, Tony, why don't you just go to Bible school? And, and she was joking. But... I, you know. <laughs> but you were like, actually, that would answer some of my questions. You, so curiosity seems to be a thing for you. Like you, yeah. you were just, yeah. you always had these questions yeah. about about Islam, and then you find Jesus, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I want to know. Tell me, tell me about that. So it totally makes sense that you went to Bible school. Where did you go? Uh, an African Bible college in Liberia. Okay. Yeah, but it was a Reformed Bible college from Reformed uh, Theological Seminary uh, in Jackson, Florida. Okay. So they build a branch over there. Cool. All my professor came from the States. I really, really enjoy it. And then, again, now I'm in trouble because uh, an apostate from Islam is worse than an infidel. Yeah, they're not happy about no. that. So what did, how did your family react to this? Is it one of the things that Muslims are doing, especially in America, that is really sad, is that many you know, Americans... Um, uh, are really nice people. I've traveled the world, and I've never been treated the way I'm treated in this country. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. I, you know, I will never forget, there's a meat market. I don't know, it's still, it's still there. It's on Evans and Colorado Boulevard. Yeah. It's owned by a Muslim family. Uh, oh, there was a guy visiting... Uh, a scholar out of Islam. And he told me, I will never forget, about 15, 20 years ago when I was still living in Colorado. He said, Tony, you, he said, one, you and I can go on CNN, and even though you will be telling the truth about Islam, they will not believe you. And I will be lying about Islam, and they will believe me. That's one. The second thing was, he said, what we do in this country as Muslims, we use their freedom to destroy their freedom. Hmm. Yeah. I said, explain. Um, can you build a church in Mecca? I said, no, you are not allowed to build that. I said, good. Can you stop me from building mosques in Colorado if I make the zoning law? I said, no. I said, that's the freedom we use and yep. slowly to destroy that freedom. See. Okay, now I forgot a question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to know, yeah, uh, but, yeah. but I love. I think yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah, I want to know more about your experience as so your like your family. So yeah. what? So you you were saying that you're being an apostate, so yeah. leaving the faith is yeah. worse than being. And and uh, now because of that, for three years I don't tell anyone who I am. From my family, yeah, I end up you know at a Bible college. In fact, yeah, that where I was. Then I sort of. But the Americans that came there, it was almost like they, they took it as a challenge and responsibility to answer all my questions. And they were not afraid of my questions. And that was one of the things, one of the reasons that, 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 that drew me to the Bible, that drew me to Christ. Why was it that these Christians were not afraid? You know, I would look for the worst thing in the Bible. And then bring her up to them. I said, yeah. "But look here." And I said, "Oh, good. Let me, you, you know, let me explain." <laughs> you found it. Yeah. I said, "Oh, that's good." And then they were explain. Oh, but look at all these innocent people that was killed in Jericho. You have time? Yes. Let me explain. But when it come to Islam, they are not willing. They either call me name, they give me names, or call me names, but they never answer the questions. Yeah. 
but these Christians were always willing. And then when I became Christian and then went to Bible school, it was even better. Oh, and, oh by the way, have you read this? What? <laughs> then they're bringing you questions. <laughs> yeah. I said, no, I've not read it. Oh, they were, you are not the first Muslim that became Christian. Have you read a testimony of these other Muslims that became Christian? Then I started meeting uh, Muslims that have become Christians in Liberia. And then we had, uh, the fellowship that we built, uh, and then we, we, you know, we started reading, and then somebody made a mistake and introduced me to Francis Schaeffer. <laughs> <laughs> so that was it. Wait, personally or in, or in the I mean, books? It, no, uh, we were, uh, it, no, the actor said, by any chance, have you read Francis Schaeffer? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I said, who is he? And then they, they gave me the complete works of Schaeffer. Oh, wow. Yeah. And which is which is awesome. So it, it is. I'm just going to say to our friends, if you yeah. haven't read Francis Schaeffer, you should read Francis Schaeffer. And I'll put a link to him in, yeah. Uh, yeah. in our show notes. But that really, really helped me. And then Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book, The Cost of mm-hmm. Discipleship. Uh, that brought me, uh, that really, really helped. And then uh, Jerry Bridges wrote a book, Holiness. Mm-hmm. I am telling because my whole life was what? what I can do in order for God to accept me. Sure. You know, I have to pray five times a day. You know, I have to uh, uh, go to the mosque. I have to uh, repeat certain phrases. And now Jerry Bridges in this tiny little book, Holiness, uh, I think it's in Second Corinthians 5, 21, you know, that Christ knew no sin, but became sin for us. Yeah. You know, he became a substitute. So I don't have to do anything. He did it for me. I just have to accept it. And there are a lot of Muslims today. It is something that many uh, American Christians might not understand or Western Christians might not understand dreams and visions. If I tell you how many Muslims are coming to Christ uh, through dreams and visions, whether it's from Pakistan to Egypt, Bangladesh to, to Nigeria, Nigeria to South Africa, you won't believe it. Yeah. What, uh, next month, I'm going to uh, Kenya. I, I will be meeting Muslims who have become Christians. Wow. Yeah. Uh, to encourage them, and then Ethiopia, and then Tanzania, and then Uganda. God is working among 1.6 billion Muslims. See, I love that. Yeah. And I, I remember you telling the stories about people having dreams yeah and that just captured my imagination because it was one of the for me it was one of the first points when i started to say maybe maybe god really is active more active than we think very and he's he's you know i grew up essentially in a, a cessationist okay um but that didn't this just stopped making sense to me after a while you know you start, you start to actually study the bible and yes. you go Wait a minute, this is kind of the normal experience. Yeah. So that's what I want to, yeah. that's why we shared the experiences here because I think that it says to people, hey, God's doing other stuff, right? He hasn't stopped being supernatural. And if you seek him, especially, you're going to find him. You're going to find, he's going to show up in some way, whether it's miraculous or not. He might bring an American missionary to, to, yeah. to you know, exactly do a Bible study and answer yeah. all your questions and, oh, there's a seminary and, yeah, like there's there's cool things like that. Um, so so you started going to school. Yeah, three years before you you told yeah. anybody. Yeah. what happened when you told them? Tell me that. Oh, know that. And my mom said, "Run!" Wow. Yeah, run. I knew my mom was never going to harm me. You see, uh, cultural in America or Westerners, you deal with guilt. Mm-hmm. In Africa and non-Western culture, especially Middle Eastern culture, we deal with shame. Okay. And I have brought shame upon the family name, upon the village. Right. Upon everything. And to remove that shame, either somebody kill, harm me, to bring again honor back to the village. You you see the honor killing Mm -hmm. that, uh, take for example, my sister go uh, date an infidel to bring honor back to the family because you have messed up the family name. Someone will go they, whack her yeah. to bring honor back. So, so that's well, why the... 
yeah, I don't understand that. Like, I don't understand the whole, like, how does that bring honor back? But I get it. I get what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't. Again, the deception of the enemy. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you read uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, when it says that the God of this world have blinded the mind, mm-hmm. it is not just Muslims. Yeah, no, of course not. Some we, of the best scholars in the world at in American universities who believe that there's no God. Yeah. Yeah. Even though they grew up in America with all the right. opportunity right. and what have you. So 1.6 billion people have been blinded by the enemy. What happened? So my mom said, run. And since then, I've been running. Because of that, my mom refused to see my children until wow. she passed. It is painful. I bet. Because the family line, the village, the culture, the concept, the, the customs you grew up with, gone. And then at the same time, you are not too sure. And this is, again, how to call it, the Christians. Um, I wish, you see, when Jesus was leaving in John 13, he said, the world will know who you are, that you are my follower by the love you show for one another. I wish we were doing that. If Christians were living like Christians, there would be no Muslims in the world or atheists. But we, we have lost our responsibility. But like someone said, the church, the church is like Noah's art. The smell inside is not good, but it's the only <laughs> safe place. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, so I read. I read. It took me into Bible. Four years of uh, great education, and then came back after my graduation. Where was that? Where'd you go? Uh, 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 in Liberia. In Liberia. It, it's called the African Bible College. Okay. Uh, they have a branch in Malawi, a branch in Uganda, and then in Liberia. Okay. Yeah. And then after my graduation, again, my mom and I clash uh, because I did, uh, I got a BA in biblical studies with emphasis in broadcasting. So immediately a radio, oh, cool. yeah, a Christian radio station uh, employed me. So I was on the radio seven days a week. Wow. Uh, doing what? Uh, teaching, yep. preaching to whom? Muslims. Yeah. And my mom said, as if, you know, the first shame was not worse. And now you are gone. <laughs> <laughs> You've become one of them and you're trying to convert all of us. And so I resigned in honor, you know, to honor my mom. Wow. Yeah. So I told the people I cannot be on the radio. But guess what? I started writing script for 17 other languages that my mom did not know about. <laughs> so I was more effective by being off the radio and just writing and they teaching it. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, so you never saw your mom? No. My mom never saw my children. Wow. Yeah. She Did never you talk she... to her? Did you oh, oh, yeah, her? yeah. Yeah, I went there. I met her. Uh, uh, now with new government and the Civil War. In fact, that's a whole story again, running uh, for one year from the Liberian Civil War where people were just killed. And for no good reason, because they were from the wrong tribe. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, I saw my mom in 2004. I saw her again. I saw her in 1986, but she refused to see me because it was the first time in 86 they translated the Bible in my dialect. Wow. And weekly Bible translation invited me to the dedication. And my mom thought I was bringing shame again to the family. Wow. Yeah. I mean, what does that do to you personally? I mean, that, it like is you hard. said it's painful. But no, it's... Eric, it is really painful. As Africans, uh, non-Westerners, that's all you have, your mom. There's no life insurance out there. There's no bank account, nothing there. It's a family. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you have no food, to go to school, family helps. To get a job, family. So everything, even to find a wife. Do you know many Muslim young men are afraid to become Christian because you become Christian, where do you get a wife from? Wow. Yeah. Because no no mother or father going to give you his daughter as a Christian out of Islam. Yeah. So the threats and the barriers and the fear, it's not that many Muslims don't want to become Christians. No, take for example, if a young Muslim in America today listening to me, he came here to study maybe uh, the School of Mines. 
His government sent him their own scholarship. Imagine he becoming Christian. What happens? He loses everything. Everything. Yeah. In fact, they, take, they would take your wife and children away from you. Yeah, you know, that, yeah. that reminds me of that where Jesus says, it, you know, my, if you don't hate your father and mother yes. and your brothers and sisters to follow me, then you're not, you can't do it. And in America, we don't have that problem no. usually. No. Um, but yeah, that's certainly if you're converting from Muslim. From Islam. I mean, as a Muslim, when you eat, you eat, I mean, communal eating, you share a meal and what have you. Yeah. I miss that. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, my wedding, uh, the, my wife now, uh, when the people in the village were got married and when the people knew the tribe I came from, even though they were Muslims, but they said, okay, because very few people plan to come to my wedding, but they all came there because we are from the same tribe. So for that one day, they put away all their anger wow. and came to my wedding. So that's how they call it the Ummah. Um, and the Ummah, to understand the concept of the Islamic Ummah, you have to read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, sure. Kononia. Yeah. Yeah. You Here in Colorado, when I live here, the Muslim community on Parker, where the, the mosque is, they care for their people. A new person arrive here at CU or any other university or come here, they are there to help him with immigration. They are there to get him around, buy him groceries and what have you. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you will find very few, literally very, very few Muslims on food stamps because the Muslim community, whatever they are, whether it's in Denver or yeah. what is many no uh, Minneapolis or uh, how to call it uh, Seattle Washington? They take care of their own. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So we're running we're running low on time here. Yeah. But I want to hear more about some of your experience. So it sounds like you, I, I can't imagine running from the war. In that, I'm sure that was very traumatic. Yeah. Um, you kind of deepened your faith with yeah. with going to school, yeah. and you got. Got some education. Um, how so? How did you like? Tell me about your other experiences of God. How did you? How did He lead you to the United States? How did all that? Uh, well, it, I was just back. Uh, my wife wrote uh, wrote a book called "Out of the Ashes." Uh, uh, my uh, God redemption or something tragedy to something. No, I will give it to you. So you can link it. If people want to, but sure. the whole story is in there. But briefly. Like I told you about the miracle Liberians and the free slaves going yeah. to Liberia. In 1989, the Civil War started. It started based on government to government. Later, broke out into seven different factions of tribes and what have you. So my wife and I walked from Liberia to the Ivory Coast for one year. I went from 150 pounds to 85. Wow. And why there a graduate from this school that they called Larry T.G. He was a dentist, but came here and went to school, got an MA in missions. Cool. He, he was at a refugee camp to do dental work. And why there he saw me or listened to me preaching. And after the preaching, he said, you need a little bit of training. And the rest is history. That's how I came wow. to Denver Seminary. And my wife and I graduated, we went to Ethiopia for five years as missionaries. The first uh, African missionaries with a North American-based agency sent us to Ethiopia. Yeah. Yeah, we're there. And guess what? We're in the refugee camp for three and a half years. Who do we meet in Ethiopia? Refugees. Yeah. Who do we meet in Somalia? Refugees. Kenya? Refugees. So God just expanded our ministry. And then in the last six, seven years, I started working for this mission. And now I'm going, it is some of the stories. Uh, recently, 6,000 Christians were killed in just Nigeria. Wow. So, some of our missionaries were among them. Wow. Uh, three years ago, I, uh, I got on the plane, went to Nairobi to sit with a widow with three children whose husband was from Somalia, came out of Islam, became a Christian. El Shabaab, the terrorist group in East Africa, 
learned about his church and who he was. One Sunday morning, they went to his church. They sat down. They let him preach and everything. After the preaching, he was beheaded before his wife and children. Wow. And you sit there and say, where is God? You know, you, you grasp onto your seminary training, but sure. it is not there. But God, you see the handwork, you hear this sad story. But at the same time, because of that death of that young man, the amount of Somalis, and Somalis are another one. How many Somalis you have met or how many Somali Christians you even know? It takes a long time. Yeah. But because of that death, Somalis are coming to Christ. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, God seems to do that, right? That's yeah, th- Stephen. Th- those, those are the Stephen. Yeah, those are the stories. Not only in in Acts, but you see it throughout the early church there, where you know people would be persecuted or executed, and then they would do some something about that. Yeah, brings a people to to Christ, and they they can see maybe they see the hope. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's different for everybody, but they. God uses the blood of the martyrs, if you will, to to bring out. I, I give faith. you a quick story. Okay. Now we're sending Ethiopian missionaries. Ethiopians. Yeah, I love I love that you're doing that. By the way, <laughs> that is such it's, it's a genius move. We're sending Ethiopians to China. Really? As missionaries? How does? Okay. You see, when the Chinese, the ordinary Chinese, see Americans, who do they see? Spies, CIA, right, enemy, right. They see Ethiopians poor, that needing help, right. Ethiopians leading Chinese to Christ. These Chinese are mm. coming back to Ethiopia, getting theological training in Ethiopia, and going places like Zambia. Why? Why are Chinese going to Zambia to be missionary? Because there are hundred thousand Chinese businessmen yeah. and women living in Zambia. Nice. And so what we're doing... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think we talked about this before, but yeah. I, it just astounds me. Yeah. I, I had a, some friends on... They want to go to Ireland as, as missionaries. Yeah. And, uh, and they look very Irish, so they're, they're perfect. <laughs> but they... What, what we talked about was that you see today the... And you're a missiologist guy, yeah. so yeah. maybe yeah. you could tell, fill me in on yeah. this. We see today that... that all the work that was done in the 19th century yeah. from the United States, yeah. going to Asia, going to Africa, going to South America, is bearing fruit today. Correct. So a lot of what you're seeing, like yes. you're seeing the fruit of people yes. who had gone and, and made the early converts. Correct. And then there's churches that are thriving, and now they're able to send people to China or to back and what. Like you're seeing this kind of cross-pollination. Yes, that you wouldn't have seen even 100 or 150 years ago. It is. It, I mean, I. Brazilians, we're sending Brazilian missionaries to China. If you put a Brazilian here, an American here, when a Chinese look at a Brazilian, he only sees soccer. He's a soccer player. Yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> That's good. Perfect. Right. So, so you have an open door with the gospel to, yes. to, to yes. bring it in. Angola, Guinea-Bissau, Mozambique, all speaks Portuguese. So where do we get our missionaries from? Brazilians are going to Africa as missionaries. Yeah. And now we're sending uh, uh, Africans who speak Portuguese to Portugal as missionaries. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Tony, what about, what's God doing with you lately? Like, how do you, how are you experiencing God in the day-to-day now? Oh, uh, great question. It's almost like the danger there is from seminary and you see you see all the things that you're doing, the temptation becomes, oh, I can do this in my own power. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning daily that until God opened that door, I cannot open it. Until he says, go, I cannot go. Yeah. Until he says, this is the date I have made, walk in there, I cannot. With my knowledge of the Bible, it is only Christ, it is only Jesus, and I have to meditate on that daily. I have to go back to God, God's Word, not because I came to seminary and learned it, no. It's a daily grind of getting to know God and what He's wanting me to do yeah. every day. 
And that's what I'm experiencing. So when I get into trouble, I say, oh, I just read that. You know, or right. uh, this, oh, you know what? That happened to another Christian in the Bible. So the more familiar I am with the Bible and trust, it is not difficult living as a Christian today in America. Right. There's a professor that I know. He left an American university. He's a Christian. Now he's in China. That it is easier being a Christian in China than being a Christian in America. Wow. Yeah. So day to day, and I live in this culture. I love this country. I pray for this uh, country. But at the same time, yes, I want to be a missionary in the rest of the world, but this is home for now. So I am engaging the young people. I am engaging the culture where the, the, the battle for the ideas, uh, where the Bible is supposed to be. Um, I go to public schools. And again, um, I have to be very careful I have to say because I want to be invited again. <laughs> but they, they invite me and they will tolerate what I said and right. if, you know, if you said it. So these are the way God is using me. Uh, uh, I think it was in March, uh, the former president of UVA University in Charlottesville, I met with her one-on-one. -on -one. So God have given me some, some, yeah. some things, even the politicians, I'll not call their names, but I have met with politicians who want to understand and know Islam and see how they can write better policies. So God is not just using me in villages. So those, especially in America, senators, House of Representatives, policy writers have invited me into their offices. Tell me about Islam. When yeah. uh, we're debating this, uh, uh, and this is what I want to go say, is it correct? Does I have my correct information? So God is teaching me that he ha there's no limit in yeah. of his power. Yeah, I love that, and yeah. I think that's all really good. Tony, I could talk to you for a long time. Thank I really appreciate what you're doing around the world. Thanks for giving us a glimpse Thank you. just into, into you know, what life is like in Liberia and growing up there. Yeah. Um, man, the church, God is doing some cool things with the church around Amen. the world. Amen. And, uh, man, thanks for opening that window for us. Thank you, and I'll be praying for this program. <laughs>